right. Uh, I will go right ahead then, as already introduced. My name is Tulwani, Tulwani Tefa. It is an absolute, absolute pleasure of mine to speak to you this afternoon. Um, as Dr. Omonia has already said, we will be speaking, co-presenting to you today on the subject of food and agriculture, applications of food and uh, technologies in food and agriculture. Of course, of course, right at the beginning to thank you for this um, uh, for this opportunity to speak and also to congratulate you on yet another successful event. Of course, you're still right in the middle of it, but congratulations nonetheless. Uh, we thank you for this opportunity. Right, so my name is Chilwani. I'm Product Management Officer in the Division for Africa at the IAEA. Within the same division, there is a group that has been put together by our leadership in the Division for Africa, which is a focal team focusing on food and agriculture program for the Division for Africa at the IAEA. And of course, as I said, uh, my colleague uh, Felix will be speaking to you later and he's part of that team. All right. Today we'll talk to you about two very particular subjects. One of them is the IAEA Technical Cooperation Program. This is the framework under which we do the applications of media science and technology. And then later on, we will go specifically into the applications that we have been doing as the IAEA. Now, let's go into the technical cooperation then. If you can give me the next slide, please. Right. So at the IAEA, we have what we call the technical cooperation program. This is the primary mechanism for transferring nuclear technology to member states. In this way, then, we look at the priorities that member states have. We seek to align as much as possible with those priorities. And through the technical cooperation program, we then become a contributor to the development priorities that our member states have. Later on, I'll talk to you how many of those we have. Our focus is on two things. The first one is on capacity building. We build skills for African experts in the application of nuclear science and technology. The second one is to ensure that we have enough infrastructure in Africa. The way we do that is by providing equipment, equipping our laboratories, our parastatals, our regulatory bodies, and government institutions with the capacity to apply nuclear science in their work. And of course, as we do this, one of the bigger elements of our work is to ensure that if we go into Ghana, Ghana has the safety and security considerations taken care of in the application of nuclear science. In this way, then, ensuring that there is a regulatory body, there is a nuclear law, and there are regulations for nuclear safety and security are a key priority of ours as well. And we work very hard with the member states to ensure that this is the case as well. Next slide, please. At the highest level, in terms of what we do, we support directly nine out of the 17 SDGs that we are all aware of. I will not belabor this point. While we indirectly, of course, will be contributing to the other 
uh, SDGs, these are the ones that we particularly contribute to. And of course, today, because we're talking about food and agriculture and applications of nuclear science, we're talking, uh, we'll be talking directly to uh, SDG to that. Next slide, please. Now, here's how the technical cooperation works. Much like many other arrangements that you know of with other UN agencies, we are a demand-driven program. The technical cooperation program is a program that submits to the demand of the member states. In that way, then, we know as we are working with member states, we are providing the best support possible. But at the same time, it's a shared responsibility. In this way, then, the optimal way in which we work with member states is where a member state has a program with very clean cut priorities that the member state wants to embark uh, the application of nuclear science on, for example, food and agriculture. If that's a priority, for example, in Ghana, we will seek to align with that priority. If it's energy, we will seek to align with that. If it's health, we will seek to align with that. In that way, member states are the ones that point the direction of the priorities that we support. At the IAA, we have technical departments. These are the departments now that with us managing and coordinating the program at the technical cooperation department, these technical departments have a role to ensure the integrity from the science point of view of the work we do. In that way, we work hand in hand to ensure that as we in the technical department manage ensure that from the science point of view, we are doing things correctly. In this way, then you have the balance between the member states and the IEA providing uh, technical cooperation that truly supports the priorities of the member states. This is how technical cooperation works. And of course, it shouldn't be surprising because as I say, this is how generally UN agencies will work, other agencies will work. But this is uniquely demanding. Next one, please. Within the, um, in fact, if we look at the strategic direction that we take with member states, within the IAEA, there are strategic markers, of course. And if we're talking about technical cooperation, working with member states, application of nuclear science and technology in member states, the most relevant, and I would invite, I would invite many of you whom I know are very interested in this work, to go ahead and have a look at these documents. At the IAEA, you'll find what we call the IAEA strategy that spans 2019 to 2023. It outlines the strategic direction in the medium term of the IAEA, including, of course, for technical cooperation. We have the te technical cooperation strategy of 2000. Now, this is the backbone then of what we do in technical cooperation. I invite you to look for this document and read it for yourself. Within the Division for Africa, we have the Regional Program Framework. We also have the AFRA, Regional Strategic Cooperation Framework. The two documents span 2019 to 2023. This is to give you an, a, a flavor of how we structure and strategically forge the direction that we take as we work with member states. But remember what I said. The last document there is the Country Program Framework. Now, this is the document that when we look at, together with this other document, 
really provides a flavor of what will happen inside a particular country. For example, Togo will have a country program framework directly with the IEA that has priorities that may not be necessarily the same as those of Ghana, but may not be necessarily the same as those of South Africa, as those of Morocco, and on and on and on. So it really becomes the anchor when it comes to how we prioritize the application of nuclear science in the country. So here is how we provide direction to the work that we do. Let's go to a few more, and then I'll give it over to my colleagues. The next one, please, to my colleague, Dr. Omoni. I talked about capacity building. How do we specifically do it? Fellowships. We will take scientists and students from Africa, take them, perhaps, say, from Ghana to Senegal, to other African countries, to go and spend a month or more learning about the specific skills that they need, let's say, in crop production or in soil and water management the specific skills that they need to apply back in the work that they are doing. These are fellowships. Training courses, we are all familiar with training courses where we come into a country and then we deliver knowledge to a group of people. This could be varying students to farmers to uh, very experienced scientists. And then we have scientific visits. These are normally targeted at high-level officials to go away and look at the institutional setup, the policy framework, the of course the science as well, and then come back at a shorter period of a week or two to now use that knowledge in their home country. We have experts in Africa, and I have to say here, the IAA has worked a lot to ensure that inside Africa, we have experts that can go and deliver their expertise to other Africans in Africa. For example, we have experts that can go from Sudan to go and deliver expertise on the application of soil and water management nutrients in Chad. We have experts that go from Morocco to deliver expertise uh, in Lesotho. So we have experts from all over the world that we're able to bring into African countries to provide expertise experts from Africa to Africa, and this is how we provide our expert missions. The last one, of course, talks to the equipment, the consumables, the reagents, where we actually bring machines that are necessary to do our work in our laboratories, in our government institutions, and in our parastatals for our scientists to do their work. Um, next one, please. In Africa, today, we have 46 member states. We have 46 member states that are members of the IAEA, but also that, of course, if we are talking about the Division for Africa and the Africa program, become a direct uh, beneficiary, or at least a direct partner of the work that we do. Among them, of course, there are 26 least developed countries, and we pay very, very special attention to this to ensure that as we deliver capacity, as we deliver the technology, we are well aware of the capacities that a member state has. Among these 46 countries, we are delivering, as we speak today, 218 active national projects. That means if you take the five projects in Chad, the six projects in Senegal, the number of projects in Ghana, in Botswana, all of them 
uh, amount to 218. Now, we have what we call regional projects. We have 32 of those. These are normally projects that are based on a regional need vis-a-vis -vis the need of one country. Um, and if we go to the last slide, please, or at least uh, this is the last part one, I think. Now, as we do this, we deliver these projects to all of these member states. We uh, are very much aware of the limited resources that are restricting, for example, funding to our member states. Like I said, we are the Division for Africa. We have 46 member states, among which we must be able to divide the amount of funding that we have. We have uh, human resources capacities here that are supposed to be improved. And then, of course, uh, we have a few other challenges that we are very much aware of as we do this. This is just to give context to some of those key challenges that we all know about that in the Division for Africa we are seeking to work with. Uh, next slide, please. Of course, at the end of the day, these are some of the aspirations that we have. Self-reliance. We'd like to have a meeting like this where we are talking about Africa being self-reliant in the work that we do. Uh, final slide, please, because uh, I apologize. I have a bit of an emergency at this end, but I thank you very much for the opportunity. And I give it over now to my colleague, Dr. Omonia, to uh, continue with the presentation. My apologies. I'm working from home today. And uh, as we all know, it has become the norm now. And sometimes uh, things like this will happen. I thank you very much for the opportunity. Dr. Omonia, over to you. Thank you, Tulwani. Thank you very much for the presentation of that part. I will now look at uh, in details. Can you hear me? I will now look at, uh, thank you. I will now look at uh, the applications of nuclear science and technology in food and agriculture. You know that here at the IEA, we support many other areas like human health, radiation safety and security, water resource management, sustainable energy development, industrial applications, and nuclear knowledge management. I'll look at the five areas under food and agriculture that we support using nuclear techniques. And the first one is crop production. This one, we do it through mutation breeding techniques. The next one is agricultural water and soil management by use of isotopic and other nuclear techniques. The third one is uh, livestock production, where we try to increase uh, uh, livestock production and also improve the uh, livestock health uh, through uh, nuclear techniques. The other part is insect pest control. Then the last one is on food irradiation. I will start with the first one, crop production. As you have seen, uh, Dr. Michael Osai from GAEC talked more about these areas and I will not uh, go into details. I will just touch them. 
as uh, we know that also we don't have a lot of time. So here in crop production, nuclear technology is actually used to improve our crops or seed varieties. And it's used to induce actually the desired changes or the traits that we want in certain crops that we want to improve its crop production. So breeding mutation techniques are used to improve crop varieties and increase the yields and also reduce losses in the food or crops that we have. So good examples of these, uh, of these crops that uh, we use uh, mutation breeding to increase productivity, uh, rice, cassava, wheat, and groundnuts. Different member states have done this according to their needs. Other member states are working with rice, others cassava, others wheat, others are working with groundnuts. And we find that we have had good results from this, that uh, we have success stories that we can tell from many of these countries and what we are doing as far as mutation breeding is concerned. So far, you can see some of the success stories is that in Africa, we have about 80 new and farmers preferred crop varieties, which are with high yield and high quality and tolerant to both biotic and abiotic stress. So these have been uh, achieved in several member states and we are sharing uh, these uh, technologies with uh, neighboring countries. Like if you come up with a good uh, rice variety, which is resistant to drought, then other areas can also adopt this. We say technology transfer. We transfer this technology to other areas to improve uh, crop production. We also have uh, trained personnel in mutation breeding at the levels of PhD, master's, certificate, and diploma. Now we have very many experts from Africa who can uh, teach mutation breeding. We have one regional designated center in uh, South Africa for this training in mutation breeding. But you can see now we have increased the number of experts in this area. The other success story is increased number of partners and funding in this uh, mutation breeding area, like uh, other funding agencies, food and agricultural organization, and others, regional and interregional funding agencies have also come together to try and increase food production through mutation breeding. Uh, through mutation breeding, we have had increased food production in general. We have had reduction in food imports and we have also increased farmers' uh, income. When we look at the second uh, area, which is agricultural soil and water management, we use isotopic and radiation methods like uh, a stable isotope of nitrogen 15 and carbon 13 uh, to measure and monitor the interaction between soil, water, and nutrients in cropping system. So this actually helps us to know if we need more water for the crops, if the soils do not have enough nutrients, and uh, if actually uh, the crop we are producing is nutritious. So we have that uh, these uh, methods that we have derived through nuclear techniques have helped us to increase water use efficiency. And that means that uh, we have precision irrigation, whereby you use 
the minimum uh, amount of water uh, maximally so that uh, we have greater results in terms of production. So water quality has also improved. I improved soil fertility uh, through uh, these nuclear techniques. Soil erosion control also has improved. Uh, crop nutrition has also improved and also fertilizer use efficiency has been improved. All these can be discussed in details, but because of time, I need to move a little faster. So some of the success stories in terms of soil and water management is that we have trained personnel in soil water and nutrition efficiency at all levels. So increased small scale irrigation technologies have been adopted in many uh, member state countries and farmers have uh, actually enhanced their production of high yielding crops. We also have increased income due to increased crop production. There is also increased awareness of soil and water and also fertilizer application uh, to farmers, especially small scale farmers in our member state countries. Also increased number of partners who are coming in to partner with us in terms of uh, actually funding these irrigation technologies and uh, trying to come up with labs which have equipment to monitor soil and water efficiency. On livestock production, we know that uh, livestock contributes to, uh, to human well-being in uh, the social and economic terms. And uh, also livestock contributes to food supply because we get milk, meat, and uh, other products from uh, uh, livestock, which have economic importance. So nuclear-related methods like serology and molecular techniques are used for screening and rapid detection of animal diseases. You know that animal diseases usually affect production. And so if we are able to actually monitor this and screen these animal diseases at early stages, we are able to actually prevent diseases and also treat them in time so that uh, we avoid these diseases spreading from one region to another. And also nuclear techniques here are applied for all this screening and detection of animal diseases. So here the success stories are that uh, we have built capacity as IEA for detection and differentiation of animal diseases in member state countries. We have assisted to build labs and also uh, give them equipment uh, to do this monitoring and detection. So there has been improved animal health and production due to enhanced disease surveillance. Then a vaccine matching has also been conducted for various diseases. And national laboratories have implemented quality management system and have been accredited. Uh, some uh, veterinary labs on livestock production have been accredited. So we are happy that uh, they are able to, to do a good job in terms of detection and prevention of these diseases. So harmonized policies also within the region and uh, training curriculum has been harmonized in the region so that uh, we have people training and uh, under the same curriculum, which is adopted in the region. So functional regional networks have also been established in many regions where people share data about uh, livestock production and how 
to detect and diagnose animal diseases in the region. When we go to insect pest control, we know that insects affect uh, crop production and they also transmit a number of diseases. Like when you talk of uh, sesame flies and mosquitoes, they are able to transmit a number of diseases like malaria, sleeping sickness and other diseases. So sterile insect technique that we say SIT uh, involves the use of radiation uh, to target pests, uh, whereby uh, the males of these pests like the seses and mosquitoes are released in the environment. And when they are released, they are made to, uh, to move freely. And when they meet with other uh, insects, female, uh, the eggs which are laid are not viable. And so it reduces the population of the insects drastically. So the seed has been successful in controlling a number of high-profile insect pests, including fruit flies in the Mediterranean. And likewise, if we look at Africa, uh, places like Tanzania, uh, places like uh, Lambwe Valley in Kenya, Zanzibar and Senegal, we have had a reduction of the sesafly population, uh, which has affected actually uh, animal production. It has increased animal production because now the number of these cesses have dropped down and in some places it has been eradicated completely. So uh, the IEA has also built capacity in this area and uh, we have also uh, equipped some assessor or insect railing laboratories which have been built in the region like in Tanzania, in Kenya, uh, South Africa, we have these uh, insect railing laboratories. At least 20 member states are applying seed technique to deal with these insects. And also the end results is that we have increased animal health and production due to a reduction of these pests. When we look at the other area of food safety, nuclear techniques, that is irradiation, can be used to improve actually food safety and uh, quality control for the foods that we have. Uh, the diagram there uh, tells you a lot about what irradiation technology can do to our products, especially fruits and also other seeds. Uh, you see that uh, irradiation technology is able to detect or eliminate harmful uh, residues and contaminants in food products. Uh, radiation technology can kill potentially harmful microbes, preventing foodborne illnesses, and also increase the shelf life of foods, like we have seen in the diagram. So success stories in this is that uh, human and infrastructure capacity has been built in the area of food safety. That is training and food irradiation facilities procured for member states. So also we have increased number of member states which are using uh, radioisotope techniques for food preservation. And then increased also number of analytical laboratories which uh, reduce the sources of hazards arising from chemical and microbiological contaminants in food. So all this, the use of these irradiation technologies has increased food quality resulting to increased uh, exports 
and income in member state countries. So way forward in terms of uh, food and agriculture, the IES side, we will continue our efforts in building capacity to meet African countries' needs in terms of food and agriculture. So far, our budget at uh, TC Africa, the budget for food and agriculture is the highest, about 30%. So you can see our effort in enhancing food security in the African region. So we will also continue to support curriculum development to enable institutions to train on nuclear techniques. This is a principle of sustainability in the region. So further support the information sharing mechanism. We will try to support information sharing in terms of uh, what we are doing here at the agency and also enhance social networks in the region. So collaboration and partnership with other international organizations, we will continue to collaborate and partner with other international organizations to ensure that uh, we address the challenges in food and agriculture. As member states, uh, member states are supposed to ensure technology take and adoption of new variety and farming methods increase uh, food security. Likewise, Member states are to ensure sustainability of agricultural facilities. We have very expensive facilities, facilities, and other laboratory facilities we donate to member states and uh, sustainabilities. Likewise, uh, we need to ensure we sensitize decision makers on the importance of nuclear science and technology in food and agriculture because most of them do not understand how nuclear comes in so we need to sensitize them so that they also understand what it means by the use of nuclear science and technology in food and agriculture so we'll continue to support uh, research in food and agriculture to improve pro crop production and also support youth involvement on issues of food production I think this is very important because the youths are the future and uh, they are the ones who have energy even to do a lot of work in terms of food and agriculture. Thank you so much and we wish you a fruitful deliberation. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, so much for that information. Please. Would like to take questions for our panelists if there are any any questions please all right so mr felix Omonia and then mr tuluan cello thank you so much for your time um there are no questions for your session so would want to do we have any questions okay so we have a hand up yes, yes please please go ahead okay thank you for your presentation my question is based on a livestock production. And I'd like to know how um, the screening and detection of the diseases is done with the nuclear technique, like a little bit, a little detail on that process. Um, I want to thank the two previous speakers for their presentation. Uh, my question is, are there any side effects with uh, mutation breeding? Because 
we, we know that genetically modified food have got some side effects. So I just want to know whether there are side effects with the mutation breeding and the other techniques that are used in food pro in crop improvement. Thank you. Okay, so th those are two questions from two different um, delegates. If you could please address both. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks again for the two questions. Perhaps I'll go first and address uh, the last one, which has to do with mutation breeding. What it actually does when we use nuclear sciences in mutation breeding is to accelerate the otherwise naturally okay occurring uh, mutation and ensure that it happens faster. The mutation that would happen so that a seed of cowpea or, or rice is more tolerant to drought in Togo. That, if it was to take 50 years naturally, we simply accelerate the mutation such that it takes about eight years. In this case, we are talking about a different process from genetic modification to simply acceleration This is the acceleration of what would otherwise be naturally occurring mutation. Maybe let me leave the first question then to my colleague, uh, Dr. Omanya. Uh, Thank you. Because Thank of you. time. Ah, there, yes. there, that's my. Thank you so much. Huh? Uh, I would say that uh, just on what you have touched, sorry, I had. Uh... Are safe for consumption has been actually reviewed and uh, evaluated by joint expert committees of the International Atomic Energy Agency, the World Food Program and the World Health Organization. And uh, you will find that uh, their conclusion was that uh, actually the process does not present any toxicological, microbiological, or nutritional hazard to any uh, human uh, consumption. So if you consume this uh, food which has been irradiated, uh, because it doesn't actually affect uh, even the nutrients of the of the of the of the product. And uh, it has been proved by WHO and also the IEA that uh, we have no effect at all when you take these uh, irradiated uh, foods, which are as a result of irradiation. And as my friend has said, that is Tulwani, is that we are accelerating uh, mutation of these products so that we get a better variety. So here we are trying to get the best variety we can withstand uh, biotic and abiotic stress that we are interested in. So it doesn't, it's not a GMO at all. When we talk of, uh, of these uh, uh, techniques for actually a diagnosis, uh, we look at these molecular uh, techniques like PCR techniques. This equipment that we use for analysis or to diagnose uh, these animal diseases are uh, nuclear-related techniques that we use. 
And that is why we say that the equipment that we use to actually screen the diseases from these animals are nuclear related. I don't know if I was able to answer, but thank you so much for your question. That would be enough. Thank you. All right, thank you so much for addressing the concern that we've raised.